Growing up, I always wanted to be like my father. Brave and courageous, always fighting against wrong and instilling good or trying to. He was a police officer, and from a very tender early age, I decided that was the path I was going to continue on to. Carrying a real weapon everywhere. You know fantasy of beating up bad guys and robbers. Maybe it wasn't my father who had influenced me to be an officer. Maybe it was more the action movies we used to watch like Die Hard and things like that. Anyways, fast forward and I'm 22 years old, a newly appointed rookie officer. Patrol duty near Emily Bridge in Vermont. It was a very popular tourist attraction, but not because of its beauty, because of the creepy urban legend surrounding it. This 50-foot-long bridge is said to be the site of a young woman's self-harm in the mid-1800s. According to legend, the woman Emily was supposed to meet her lover at the bridge to elope. However, she ended up hanging herself from the rafters when he never showed. Now it's believed that Emily's ghost scratches at cars, it crosses pedestrians, and sometimes just appears in front of them in her ghastly evil form. I don't believe in such superstitions and legends. People have committed sea in many places. How come the whole world is not haunted with their spirits? So it was a Saturday morning, the time of my duty right near the bridge. I was patrolling alongside my partner, a 39-year-old officer whose name I will not mention. Twenty years of experience and a lot of stories on how he saved the world, apparently. He's so talkative, my head ached from listening to him over and over. I tried joining him off by playing Grease 2 in my head and eating my roll, which I bought street food. During patrolling is the best, my partner also had a roll, but God forbid he quietly eat and stop talking. He's narcissistic and so self-obsessed, he even talks with his mouth full. During one of his abnormally long stories about how he had apparently saved a woman from being kidnapped, we heard a shrill scream. It seemed that a woman was screaming, but what most shook me was the pure terror that could be heard in her voice. We quickly geared up a walk toward the sound of the scream, which was apparently under the Emily Bridge. As soon as we reached there, I saw a sight which I probably won't ever be able to forget. A man lying on the ground, moaning in pain as his back bled and a pool of blood was forming underneath him, while a woman was being strangled by a white shimmery thing. When my partner and I both stopped, the white thing stopped strangling that woman and turned around. It was a ghost, the ghost of a woman, probably Emily from the legend. It stopped and disappeared. It gave us this creepy cackle and quickly disappearing. We stood shaken for a moment because... What on earth? But then went towards the distressed couple lying traumatized. I checked if the man was lying on the ground while my partner checked on the quietly sobbing woman. Thankfully, the woman was not hurt. So I called my partner to help me pick up the man and quickly get away from under the bridge lest that Emily ghost comes again. How would this be able to happen? Even guns wouldn't affect a ghost. After coming away from the bridge, I laid the guy in the back seat of my car and took out my first aid kit while my partner phoned an ambulance. The woman, poor her, she was traumatized, asking if her boyfriend would be all right. He was bleeding badly and my partner tried to console her. But she just could not stop sobbing. It was a terrifying thing being attacked. I wouldn't blame her so much for crying. I would have done it too. 
We tried asking her what happened, but she couldn't speak so much to tell what happened. When the ambulance arrived, we put the couple in it and sent them on their way to the hospital. We basically told our story to our supervisor, who laughed in our face and didn't believe me, even my experienced partner. At first, but we luckily had our cameras on us and had recorded the entire thing. Although the ghost of Emily was invisible in the recording, which is creepy, we could see the bleeding man and the being just flying in the air while clutching her neck where the hands of the ghost had been. Our supervisor was very quiet, asked us to do a follow-up with the couple, and asked them about what happened there to make sure their stories added up. We waited till the next day before checking up on them. You obviously need some time to accept what happened and come out of that traumatized state. The next morning we left for the hospital where the couple was currently in. We asked them how they had been and if they were feeling better. They were better physically, but emotionally they were still dealing with the repercussions of what happened. Upon asking what happened under the bridge, the woman told us that they were just making out when this being appeared. This white apparition formed around her boyfriend and tried to throw him off the bridge. He fought her back when she proceeded to attack, preventing him and her from leaving. I don't know when the woman tried to save her boyfriend by trying to drag him away and throw him off the bridge. This thing began choking this girl. It's completely wacko, right? While this thing was choking her is when we had appeared, as she profusely thanked us for saving their lives suggested that we should close the underside of the bridge. And safe to say, I did not expect this to happen when I applied for working as an officer. I understand this probably sounds like some cheesy, creepy story, but I promise things happen on the job that are far more unquestionable than disturbing, to say the least. And stories like this get concealed from the public far more often than you would ever imagine. Last summer, I decided to spend two weeks with my grandfather at his old house. He was always a fascinating character, full of stories and wisdom, and I looked forward to spending time with him. However, I also knew that he often claimed to see ghosts around the house, especially coming from the room I would be sleeping in. I tried to brush it off as just one of his eccentricities. One night, after an evening filled with my grandfather's captivating stories, I went to bed feeling a bit uneasy. I couldn't shake off the feeling that something was off, but I attributed it to my overactive imagination. Eventually, I drifted into a light, restless sleep. As I lay there, half asleep, I suddenly felt a finger poke me hard in the arm, twice. The sensation was so real that I jolted awake, my heart pounding in my chest. I quickly scanned the room, expecting to find my grandfather playing a prank on me or something. But the room was empty and my grandfather was snoring peacefully in his own bedroom down the hall. I tried to convince myself that it was just a dream or a muscle spasm, but the strange sensation in my arm persisted, making it impossible for me to dismiss what had just happened. I lay awake for the rest of the night, feeling scared and vulnerable, with every creak and groan of the old house making me jump. For the remainder of my stay, I couldn't shake off the fear that something supernatural was lurking in the house. Every time my grandfather casually mentioned seeing ghosts in the house, I felt a chill run down my spine. I tried to laugh it off, but the memory of that night haunted me. Eventually, 
My two weeks with my grandfather came to an end, and as much as I loved him and enjoyed our time together, I couldn't help but feel relieved to be leaving the house and its unsettling presence behind. Even now, when I think back to that summer, I can still feel the ghostly finger poking me in the arm, and I can't help but wonder if my grandfather's stories were more than just tales to entertain his grandchildren. I adjusted my gear, making sure everything was in place as we prepared to parachute into the remote forest near Slovakia. We were Navy SEAL team on a top-secret mission, tasked with finding a crucial contact in this treacherous region. Leading the team was Muta, fellow SEAL and a fan of horror podcasts. Little did we know that the mission would take a horrifying turn that would rival even the scariest stories he had listened to. As we descended from the night sky... The forest swallowed us whole. The dense foliage and eerie silence created an atmosphere of unease. Our objective was to navigate the hostile territory, gather information, and extract as quickly and discreetly as possible. Cut off from communication and backup, we knew that our resourcefulness and teamwork would be paramount to our survival. As we ventured deeper into the woods, our senses heightened. Every crackle of a branch Every rustle of leaves sent shivers down our spines. The tension in the air was palpable, and we remained on high alert. Our training kicked in, allowing us to move swiftly and silently through the undergrowth, blending in with the darkness that enveloped us. Suddenly, our keen eyes spotted movement among the trees. Without hesitation, we readied our weapons trained to shoot at any potential threat. But to our astonishment, the round seemed to pass through the figure as if it were an apparition. It was a chilling sight, a creature unlike anything we had encountered before. The creature stood at the edge of our vision, bathed in an otherworldly glow. Its body emanated an ethereal darkness, its fur sleek and obsidian. Eyes burning like embers pierced through the night, revealing an intelligence that sent a shiver down my spine. This was no ordinary anima. The creature barked, its sound resonating with a deep guttural resonance that sent chills down my spine. Its teeth, sharp and glistening, appeared to be forged from the darkest corners of the underworld. This was a being not of our realm, but of something far more sinister. Before we could react, the creature vanished into thin air, leaving us stunned and bewildered. The woods fell silent once again, as if the encounter had been nothing more than a twisted figment of our imagination. But the intensity of the experience lingered in the air, the memory etched into our minds. Shaken but resolute, we pressed on with our mission. After an hour of navigating the unforgiving terrain, we finally reached our contact. The meeting was successful, and crucial information was exchanged. Yet, even in the face of our accomplishment, the memory of this creature continued to haunt us. As we made our way back, the question gnawed at the edges of our consciousness. What kind of creature had we encountered in those dark woods? This is in an area between Boring and Gresham, Oregon. I was with some friends coming back from a late-night drive. Anywhere from 11 p.m. to 2.30 a.m., late summer, early fall was a little chilly in my opinion. We had stopped at a stop sign at a crossroads. I was in the passenger side back seat of a 73 AMC Hornet. 
so visibility is not the best. I noticed as we passed the crossroads, there was a huge field to my right, with a house on it. The lights in the house were off. I noticed something walking across the field, a dark figure. I pointed it out to my friend and said, Hey, what in the hell is someone doing walking across a field this time of night? He commented something about it being one big dude we don't want to mess with and then something about Sasquatch. When I think back on it, I can visualize the size, and it was pretty tall. My friend was six foot four, who I was with, and I had a friend from high school who was six feet nine, and this thing was easily a foot over the six foot nine guy. Had some girth to it too, large arms too, like CO2 cylinders for soda dispensers. It seemed to kind of glance in our direction a little, but didn't seem too concerned. It looked like it had entered the field from probably 100, 150 yards up, and when we passed it, was probably about 100 yards into the field, away from us. It was cutting in a straight line diagonally, like a disrespectful teen might cross someone's lawn because they are too lazy to walk to the corner. The direction it was heading there were no more houses at all. We were going westbound, and the creature was heading northeast. The only other housing nearby was southeast from us. To the northeast which it was heading was another field, and possibly a creek or two, and then deep woods for quite a ways, not sure how far, but not much for residents up there for miles and miles, before getting to the sandy river towards Dodge Park. The direction it was coming from, it would have been a mile or two in, but there would have been a few housing developments about three miles from the outskirts of Gresham, kind of near Sandy or Damascus. I wouldn't say it was crossing from over in that area, because it would have had to cross a lot of suburban-type areas, as well as several busy roads and a busy highway, Highway 26. If it was a Bigfoot, my personal guess is it was headed back home after going somewhere in the opposite direction for some reason. I thought it rather odd, and we all joked occasionally from time to time about seeing Bigfoot for the next year or two, when remembering times we hung out, before eventually the group of friends generally moved away. We ranged in age from 1920, eight years old, and there were about four or five of us. I was trying to research a little on my cousin's murder, on Wildcat Mountain Road years ago, when I came across this site due to the keywords I was using. After reading quite a bit, it brought back this memory. I think my wife and her friend have a few stories as well, having lived in central Oregon, near Lapine, Crescent, and Gilchrist most of their lives. I will have to talk with them and make some reports as well. Also, when I think about it, there was kind of a rotten smell to the area. It didn't really smell animal-like. Although that general area at night smells kind of animal-like, it smelled kind of humid, mossy, and a bit like mildew. Not the typical Bigfoot smell from what I have read. It wasn't really a rancid smell either, but kind of fresh. I lived in El Paso for close to five years and did a lot of backcountry camping. Red Sands, Guadalupe. Red Sands Guadalupe, WSNP, was the creepiest at night hands down, and because it requires a permit to camp there. 
Nobody else was there. I was all alone in this beautiful wonderland. For those unaware, White Sands is the largest gypsum deposit in the world, and it's hundreds of miles of snow-white sand dunes surrounded by mountains in Bum F, New Mexico. Made some chow, sat by the fire for a while, soaking it all in, then laid down. I couldn't sleep and went to take a walk in the dunes, and the whole time I felt like I was being watched. The glow of the moon reflecting on that white gypsum sand was eerie. It almost looks like a white chemlight with a full moon. Decided to call it and went back to my tent to attempt sleep. Woke up the next morning and had footprints in the sand all over my camp, but they were odd. Some circling my tent repeatedly all around my truck and then heading into a direction I didn't even explore. There was a second set of prints following my path from the night before. The high desert is strange for sure. We lived on the mountain. Down off in a big hole known as Smoky Holler, a small mining community up until the 70s. Our road was off the main community road. It lead to one of the mines. My older brother, who was about 15 years old at the time, said he was walking home one day and passed a stranger who was coming from the direction of our house. A stranger on our road walking was unheard of. My brother said he was dressed all in black with a long black coat and hat, and the part that stuck out to me was... He said the stranger was at least seven feet tall. They didn't speak to one another, but my brother was afraid of him and had a bad feeling. Fast forward 30 years, my brother and one of his friends are driving down X Ridge, and they go over the guardrail down the side of the ridge. My brother is thrown out the windshield and lands in the woods and lays there till the ambulance shows up. His friend was still in the truck as it rolled and was killed. As my brother was laying there, he sees a seven-foot-tall stranger walking down the side of the road on top of the guardrail towards him, just walking on the guardrail. He didn't say any more after that. Whether he talked to the man or not, or whether the man came close to his friend in the truck, This is a story my great-grandmother told my mother, and my mother told me. She lived out in the country and raised chickens and was a tough old pioneer woman. Her husband had died and she was alone on the farm. It was the early 1900s. She had chickens being stolen, so she had a shotgun by the door to catch whoever or whatever it was. Once she woke up in the middle of the night to chickens making a racket. She said that she saw a very tall, hairy creature standing on two legs in the pen. She blasted one barrel at the creature and it turned to run. She shot at it with the other barrel. She insisted the story was true and had a peppered front porch railing and posts to prove it. My dad's brother had a cabin near Leroy, Michigan. He would take my brother and me to his cabin on many weekends during the year. When I was around 14 years old and my brother was 12, he taught us to hunt and fish and shoot guns. We never missed a chance to go with him as he had no children. He also had a huge German shepherd that was fearless. On one occasion, we were walking on state land with the dog. It was the middle of the day in the fall. The path we were on led us around this small hill about 10 feet high. We could see over the woods. Then suddenly it went quiet 
but soon it sounded like a freight train coming through the woods towards us from the hill. The dog went crazy, and it took every bit of strength my uncle had to hold him back. He went up there to fight whatever was coming at us. I think I could safely say we were terrified except for that dog. It was running on two legs with heavy pounding feet. The branches were breaking. Then, just as it should have come crashing over the little hill, it went completely silent. Nothing. The dog went quiet but kept looking at the top of the hill where this thing should have been. We waited for a bit. My uncle said we should go back. No words were spoken on the trek back and it was never spoken of until I started watching your videos. There are a couple of old guys talking about an incident that happened years and years ago. My uncle's long gone, but I wish I could go back and ask him about that day. Back in 1969, during the winter, we couldn't get up the road to the cabin as the snow was too deep. We pulled over and pulled our supplies up the road in a toboggan. My dad's other brother came up with his snowmobile. We had fun until it was time to go. It was a Sunday evening as we packed up our things and trudged back down to the cars. It was dark and snowing, and my uncle had left his car keys back up at the cabin. I told him I'd walk back and get the keys. It took me about a half hour to get back up there. I grabbed the car keys and started to make my way back down the two, track through the woods. I had only gone a little way when I heard branches breaking, like something was following me down the hill. It was off to my right side, paralleling me. It was close, but I couldn't see anything. All I had was my hunting knife, so I pulled it out and began running down the hill, knowing any moment I was going to be attacked. I've never been so afraid. Just then, I heard my uncle's snowmobile coming up the hill and his headlights shining at me. He had decided I was taking too long and pulled his machine off the trailer to find me. He passed me and drove up away to turn around. I was back at the vehicles when my other uncle came back. He asked me if I had lost my knife. I guess I dropped it in the snow running down the hill. It should have been buried in that deep snow, but my uncle said it was on top and easy to spot. I never told anyone what really happened or why I had my knife out of the sheath. In the 1980s, I was married and living in Dorham, Michigan, about two hours south of my uncle's cabin. There were lots of woods and living in a nice house... One summer, in the middle of the night, we both woke from a sound sleep by what sounded like a woman screaming at the top of her lungs. My wife was terrified when she asked me if I heard that, knowing she had heard it and I wasn't dreaming. I jumped up, put my pants on and grabbed my pistol. Whatever it was started screaming again and I ran into the woods. I was shining my flashlight all over, but not seeing anything. I stopped and stood still for a long time and slowly walked back to the house. I told my wife it was probably a rabbit getting caught by a fox or coyote and never spoke about it again. That scream that we heard that night was no rabbit or owl, and I've heard them both. Let me tell you about an unforgettable adventure that Stan Rudd, my good friend, experienced in the depths of Calmeopsis Wilderness in Oregon. We were on a quest for something precious, something that had captivated our imaginations for years, the legendary lost Indian gold mine. Little did we know that our journey would take an unexpected turn into the realm of the mysterious and unknown. 
accompanied by Stan's trusted companion. Mulatto, we ventured deep into the wilderness, our hearts filled with anticipation and the allure of hidden treasures. Our campsite was nestled among towering trees, a sanctuary amidst the untamed beauty of nature. To safeguard our food from the prying paws of bears, we devised a clever plan. We strung up a freshly caught deer, suspending it a lofty eight to nine feet above the ground. Nightfall embraced the wilderness, casting an eerie blanket over the landscape. The air was thick with anticipation as we settled into our makeshift shelter, the crackling fire providing a comforting glow in the darkness. However, our peaceful slumber was abruptly shattered by a blood-curdling growl that pierced through the night. Fear gripped our hearts as we strained to discern the source of the menacing sound. Shadows danced in the flickering firelight, amplifying the tension in the air. The growling grew louder, filling the silence with an undeniable presence, and our minds raced to comprehend the danger lurking just beyond our camp. Dawn broke, revealing a scene of utter devastation. The deer we had carefully hoisted above the ground, out of reach from the jaws of bears, had been decimated. Only its severed legs remained. A grisly testament to the night's events. Something powerful and savage had infiltrated our sanctuary, leaving behind nothing but remnants of our hopes for a bountiful feast. But what truly baffled us was the discovery nearby, an imposing mound of fecal matter unlike anything we had ever seen. It stretched two feet in length and boasted a thickness of about four inches. Its presence sent shivers down our spines, a silent message from an enigmatic force that had crossed paths with us in the night. The incident occurred in the fall, a few years back, yet its memory lingers vividly in our minds. It serves as a reminder that the wilderness holds secrets we may never fully comprehend. Our search for gold had unwittingly led us to a confrontation with the unknown, leaving us humbled and in awe of the untamed forces that roam these remote lands. To this day, Stan and I recount this tale with a mix of trepidation and fascination. The lure of hidden treasures may have brought us to the Kamiopsis wilderness, but it was the encounter with the unexplained that forever etched its mark upon our soul. So a few years ago, I went camping with my dad about a quarter mile off the trail. As we were cooking food, a baby bear wandered into the small clearing. We were a bit freaked out, but it was probably more scared of us, so it wandered away. Important later. We left a campsite to hike a bit, and when it started to get dark, we traveled back to our campsite. We realized we hadn't marked it in any way and spent a while looking for it. We heard some growling like really loud, and we freaked. We started to walk on the trail back to the car with my dad holding our only flashlight. We hear a growl closer this time. Not super close, but close enough we started to run. By then, it was pitch black other than the flashlight. As I ran, I heard my dad drop the flashlight. He found it, but only one of the batteries was still in it. I was thinking this definitely felt like a basic horror plot. We ran pretty fast a few miles back to the car and drove home. We came back the next day and searched all day. Couldn't find it. We came back the next weekend, still couldn't find it. The next weekend, my dad went by himself and found it. He brought the stuff home. 
The tent had claw marks through it, and all the food that we hadn't yet hung in a tree was eaten. The allure of adventure and the promise of escaping the hustle and bustle of the city had always drawn us to the great outdoors. It was a warm summer morning when my friends, Alex, Emma, and Josh, and I set out for our much-anticipated weekend camping trip along Whispering Pines Trail. The trail was renowned for its breathtaking beauty, surrounded by towering pine trees and babbling brooks that painted a serene picture. We were excited, filled with youthful energy and the anticipation of days spent immersed in nature's embrace. Little did we know that our journey into the wilderness would forever alter our perceptions of reality. As we began our hike, the air was alive with excitement. Our laughter echoed through the trees, and the sunlight filtered through the leaves in dappled patterns on the forest floor. The beauty of the trail was undeniable, and we felt invigorated by the tranquility that enveloped us. The legend of Whispering Pines Trail was far from our minds. Tales of unexplained disappearances and eerie occurrences that had earned it the ominous moniker of the haunted hike. As we ventured deeper into the woods, a subtle shift in the atmosphere became apparent. The air grew dense with an unexplainable tension, and the tranquility that had welcomed us seemed to wane. Our cheerful banter was replaced by hushed whispers, as if the very trees were listening, as if the forest itself held secrets it was eager to share. The first night descended, casting a new light on our surroundings. Our campfire crackled and hissed, casting distorted shadows that danced ominously along the trunks of the towering pine. It was around the fire that we noticed the peculiar orbs of light in the background of Emma's photos, captured by her camera. We laughed them off as mere glitches, attributing them to the camera's technology. But the following day, as we continued our hike, the forest seemed to change its demeanor. The trees, once welcoming, now stood like ancient sentinels guarding an ancient secret. A palpable sense of being watched settled over us, a feeling that grew with every step we took. Whispers carried by the wind seemed to echo through the trees, as if the woods themselves were murmuring secrets too ancient to comprehend. As evening descended upon us once more, we gathered around the campfire. But this time, the temperature plummeted, an inexplicable chill enveloping us despite the warm summer evening. Faint footsteps reached our ears, leaves rustling in the distance, though no visible source could be discerned. And then, as if in response to our growing unease, Alex's flashlight began to flicker, casting erratic shadows that danced in rhythm with our quickened heartbeats. As the night wore on, Unease settled like a heavy fog upon our campsite. It was Josh who first spoke of a shadowy figure lurking at the edge of our encampment. We laughed nervously, dismissing it as a trick of the imagination fueled by the forest's eerie ambient. Yet, the sense of dread persisted, a silent reminder that we were not alone. It was on the final day of our hike that our lives would forever be altered. We awoke to chaos our campsite in disarray, our belongings scattered, and our tent ripped open as if by unseen hands. Panic set in as we realized that the serene woods we had entered had become something far more malevolent. 
Our pleas for help echoed through the forest, but the only response we received was the haunting silence that seemed to envelop the very trees themselves. Our hike back to civilization was a journey fraught with tension and fear. The woods seemed to close in around us, every rustle of leaves and whisper of wind echoing with an otherworldly resonance. The sense of being watched, of something malevolent lurking just beyond our perception, was inescapable. We returned home changed, haunted by the memories of our time on Whispering Pines Trail. Our curiosity led us to delve into the history of the trail, and what we uncovered sent shivers down our spines. Stories of hikers who had vanished without a trace, of eerie encounters and unexplainable phenomena, painted a chilling picture. Our own experiences now had context. They were a part of a tapestry woven from the supernatural threads of Whispering Pines Trail. This happened around three years ago, and thinking about it still makes me feel uneasy. I live in a rural area surrounded by a nature conservation area. There are many nice paths, and it's a great peaceful and quiet place to go for walks, ride bikes. On this day, I decided to take my dog for a walk there in the evening. I didn't want to go that far. For some reason, I decided to leave my phone at home, even though I usually take it with me, just in case. Everything was going well, and as usual, I barely met anyone. At some point, I got to my favorite spot, a wooded area. There is a field behind it, and I planned on walking all the way to the end. Then I wanted to turn around and take the same way home. As I continued walking after I made it through the wooded area, my dog started acting strange. She kept looking back and didn't want to go on. I thought she had spotted a deer or a rabbit and wasn't concerned. I didn't look around right away. But then she let out a little growl bark. I had never heard her do that before. I turn around and sure enough, there is a man standing on the edge of the wooded area field, like maybe ten meters next to the path. He was fully clothed and didn't move. He was just staring at us. My heart was pounding. No matter where I would go, I would still be in a secluded area for a while. I didn't think and just started walking quickly towards the end of the field. My dog still wasn't having it. When I turned around after getting a bit further away, he had also moved. Now he was standing on the field, still staring intensely. That's when I really knew we had to get going. I didn't look back until we got to the end of the field. Because of some trees, my view was obstructed. I couldn't see him and my dog seemed a bit calmer. Obviously, I didn't want to stop for more than a few seconds, though. From there on, I decided to take the, the path that would take me to some part of my town the quickest. We literally ran, and I was so relieved when we made it back to civilization. I have no idea what his intention was. I'm just proud of my dog for alerting me. Friend and I went camping when we were around 18 found an awesome flat area off the side of a rather steep hill that overlooked the lake nearby. I can't remember the name of the lake nearby. I can't remember the name of the lake. Not important, but it was large enough that we couldn't see the other side. We were there for a couple of days, were fishing, 
setting a couple snares, pretty much pulling a survivorman. On the third night, we hadn't lit the fire yet. We wanted to see the stars. Being Toronto kids, we rarely got to see too many. Sure enough, moonless night, no light, source around anywhere. And there are the stars. I pointed out a few passing satellites. I miss having such great vision. He named off the constellations that he knew. We were chatting. Then we saw it. On the horizon, a small and very bright red dot appeared. Looked like a gun laser dot. We both sat there racking our brains and making aliens jokes. But sure enough, it was getting closer. Soon it was the size of a dime, then a quarter. But it's taken the shape of an eye, and yet it got closer and closer. We started thinking that maybe it was a forest fire or something. Maybe it really was aliens with a nervous laugh. I remember him getting his hunting knife out of its sheath, and I did the same, ready for anything. Finally, it's the size of a football, actually lighting up the area we were in. We were able to see the red glow off the trees and the lake. About here is when I realized we were looking at the rising blood moon. The lake was perfectly still and the moon was reflecting off of it. He physically slapped himself into a face bomb. We were city kids after all. The scorching heat enveloped me as I stood on the front lines of the fiercest wildfire the Ozarks had ever seen. Flames roared like voracious beasts, devouring everything in their path. Sweat trickled down my forehead, mingling with soot, as I coordinated with the brave firefighters to battle the inferno. Our mission was twofold. Save lives and protect the wildlife that called this park home. We worked tirelessly dousing flames, cutting firebreaks, and guiding visitors to safety. Amidst the chaos, my eyes caught a glimpse of something in the distance, a flicker of movement amidst the swirling smoke. Curiosity mingled with trepidation, drawing my gaze towards the mysterious figure. There, amidst the raging fire, stood a creature like none I had ever seen before. It was bipedal, towering above the flames. Its silhouette bathed in an eerie glow. Razor-sharp claws extended from its massive paws, resembling a hybrid between a fearsome werewolf and an otherworldly dogman. Time seemed to slow as I observed the creature in stunned disbelief. Its eyes gleamed with an otherworldly intensity, reflecting the chaos that engulfed the forest. The flames danced around it, as if bowing in deference to its terrifying presence. A primal roar erupted from its throat, echoing through the burning landscape, a bone-chilling symphony of power and ferocity. For a brief moment, the creature and I locked eyes, and I felt a shiver run down my spine. It was as if it possessed an otherworldly wisdom, an ancient knowledge that transcended our understanding. Yet, as quickly as it had appeared, it retreated into the smoky depths of the woods, vanishing from sight. I stood frozen in awe, my mind struggling to comprehend the reality of what I had just witnessed. The firefighters' urgent voices snapped me back to the present. They beckoned me to join their efforts in extinguishing the fire that threatened to consume everything we held dear. Shaking off the remnants of disbelief, 
I rallied myself and joined the courageous crew, resolute in my determination to protect this land. Together we fought relentlessly against the merciless flames driven by a sense of duty and a deep love for the park we called home. As we labored tirelessly, the encounter with the enigmatic creature remained etched in my mind. It was a reminder of the untamed forces that coexisted alongside us, inextricably linked to the wild heart of nature. Our duty as park rangers was not only to safeguard against wildfires, but also to respect the mysteries and ancient beings that dwelled within these sacred lands. Fire eventually succumbed to our collective efforts, the charred landscape, a testament to the battle that had taken place. Exhausted but fulfilled, we surveyed the area, ensuring that no embers remained. The wilderness would heal and life would bloom anew. In the depths of the night, as the final embers flickered into oblivion, I found solace in the camaraderie of the firefighters. Though my encounter with the creature remained a secret, it was a reminder of the infinite wonders that awaited within the untamed realm of the Ozarks. And as we stood together, bound by our shared purpose, I knew that we would always be guardians, protectors of this land, ready to face any challenge that nature presented